garbage time. But to see, um, you know, the fan attendance tonight, I'm sure after that, it's going to be incredible. Um, but yeah, my, my passion for basketball, I was just watching the Celtics as I'm walking in here and, and now I get to watch, you know, the Phoenix go out, probably the best team in the comp at the moment. So I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, basketball is a part of my life and it's all, it always will be. Nick Curios there speaking about his passion for basketball. He is a part owner of the South East Melbourne Phoenix and, and was in attendance for the South East Melbourne versus Melbourne United game last Sunday. One of the most high-profile Australian sports stars to be involved with the NBL right now. He went on to say how the NBL has gone ahead in leaps and bounds due to players like LaMelo Ball being involved with the NBL and playing here before he was drafted into the NBA. Nick's a huge Boston Celtics fan, which endears him to me a little bit as well because I have a huge bias towards the Celtics. But enough of that. We all know how much the NBL is leveling up. Let's get stuck in to last week's round of the NBL season. Round 7 of NBL 24. Let's go. Cotton off the handoff. And it looks really porous again. And it's the ball movement by the Wildcats. It's the extra pass. Only after just 35% from outside for the season. 10 of 28 coming into tonight. Nice finish from Finn Delaney. That's a tough move. Cotton over the top of Mattia. Pass underneath. Harris back to Pinder. Jackson Cartwright with the foul and one. Hits the ball back with nine on the clock. This blows past Pinder for two. That's speed. That is speed, Drew. Fumble. Really cost Manny Ang. Cotton's the three. Cotton's got that look in the eye once more. 34 now. It's three more for Lamb. It's three in a row now for the Perth Wildcats. And slowly but surely, they creep their way back up the ladder. Righto, so round seven in NBL 24, the first game we saw the Perth Wildcats take on the New Zealand Breakers at RAC Arena, the Breakers travelling to play this one. Now I have to mention straight off that the free throw disparity was quite obvious, the Breakers only shooting six Free throws for the match to the Perth Wildcats, 21. The Perth Wildcats hitting on 85% of their free throws. The Breakers only going four for six. A serious lack of aggressiveness in the paint for the Breakers. Parker Jackson Cartwright shot the ball pretty well, 9 for 17. He didn't hit a 3 at all, unfortunately, for the Breakers. Finished with 20 points, 3 rebounds and 4 assists. Mango Matiang, he had a big game, 11 points and 14 rebounds. Doing his best on the defensive end for the Breakers, but it was the terrible 
shooting from the three-point line of the Breakers that was a factor in them losing the game. Liafa, three for eight. Barker, Jackson, Cartwright, zero for five. Finder Laney, zero for four. Anthony Lamb, he is the standout offensive player for the Breakers, keeping them afloat, giving them some sort of chance to win. He had 25, six from 11 from the three-point line, shooting a great percentage. No question over whether he can shoot or not. He can definitely shoot the ball. He also had six rebounds and a couple of assists. But Bryce Cotton for the Perth Wildcats, 37 points. He shot 12 for 20, including 6 for 13 from the three-point line, 7 for 7 from the free-throw line, three rebounds and a couple of assists. He was the game-leading scorer quite easily. Keanu Pinder in support had 21 points. Six rebounds and a couple of assists as well. A total of 42 rebounds, just edging out the breakers who had 40. But it was the individual defense by the Perth Wildcats players that kept the New Zealand breakers to a 76-point total. Jesse Wagstaff continues to see increased minutes in John Rilly's rotation. 11 points in this game. He went four for seven from the field, including a three and a couple of rebounds. It's not the numbers for Jesse Wagstaff. It is the leadership on the floor. He is a coach with a jersey on, as Christian Doolittle described last week. Doolittle himself had eight points and 11 rebounds. Also, Four assists and a couple of steals doing his work on the defensive end. It's the work on the defense that the Perth Wildcats have done in practice that is obviously paying off for them. Jordan Usher, pretty inefficient game. He went one for six from the three-point line with nine points. But the optics are telling me that he is making a concerted effort on the defensive end, coming off the bench for John really now. Alex Saar, terrible game, zero points and three rebounds. The breakers kept him in check, but it was definitely Pinder and Cotton on the offensive end that pushed the Wildcats over the line. The Perth Wildcats moved to five and five on the season. The breakers continue to struggle without Zylan Cheatham and struggling on the offensive end to find options other than PJC and Anthony Lamb. Yeah, Will McDowell-White not contributing enough on the offensive end for the Breakers in this game. And it's the Perth Wildcats that come out with the win at home in front of 10,000 strong at RAC Arena, 94 to 76. But let's get underway here at the Cairns Convention Centre. In a big game. against Meninga. Took him on, got to the car. That's two. Uh, go to work, Sam. Nice play. On the restart against Paul Paul. Okay, we're going to throw the ball to Gary Clark. Try and make him the focal point. Swackle Bullock takes enough of that cut. Oh. The offensive rebound muscles up for another two. And the Illawarra Hawks have opened up a seven-point buffer. Best offensive rebounding team in the league are the Hawks, and this is why. Get a chance now for the Hawks. Streeter, caught it in rhythm, wants to keep range. This is outside. Harvey tries his luck on the other wing and gets it done. This is Bullpoil, ready to go. Likes to look at the punches it down. Taipan's back in front. Armstrong's pass picked off by Harvey. Puts his shoulder down, trying to draw contact, wanted a whistle. Referees didn't see it that way. McCall for the pass, game 50, he celebrates. Five minutes left on the clock. Taipan's lead it by four. After trailing for the majority of the three quarters and rushing into the Amy, get the job done, is left. 
Mayan rushes back to the other end. Lee Robinson looks inside Clark. Clark fans can't afford to foul here, and I get a chance at a three-point play. Bulqual, who works to the elbow, fires and knocks down the two. He's got 15, and the Cairns type fans are going to prevail. They move to three and zero at home this season. Almost finish with a flourish as well. And Taj McCall's 50th NBL appearance. All right, so just took in the grind-out game between the Cairns Taipans and the Illawarra Hawks. Cairns playing at home for this one at the Cairns Convention Centre. And we saw a shake-up in the Hawks lineup. Hugh Young-Lee got the start in this one, played 25 minutes, scored three points, had five rebounds, shot one for five from the field. That move from Jacob Jacobus did not work. And we saw the offense struggle versus Cairns. Gary Clark was the equal game-leading scorer with 19 points. He went 7 for 18, including 2 for 7 from the three-point line. He did his best on the offensive end to get it done. The story here was not going to Sam Froling enough on offense. He had multiple mismatches throughout the game. Finished with 18 points and 10 rebounds on 8 for 13 shooting, but did not see the ball enough. Now, Jacob Jacobus has a problem here. He has a player like Tyler Harvey who is willing to take shots, but not hitting with enough efficiency. Some of those shots should surely be going to Sam Froling when they have a guy who can dominate inside the paint like he does. Uh, We saw Mason Peatling return to the Illawarra Hawks quite unspectacularly. He only had two points in this game for his 12 minutes. Uh, Not showing much at either end. The Cairns Taipans proved their defense was too good. However, their free throw shooting was not good. Neither was their three-point shooting. They went 60% from the free throw line, 14 for 23 and 5 for 21 from the three-point line. Despite that, they still win against the Illawarra Hawks. So, yeah, as I said, it was a grind-out game. Low scoring. Illawarra shooting only 35% from the field overall, including 6 for 29 from the three-point line. This was an ugly, ugly game. Harking back to about five to six years ago, when all the NBL scores were around 80 to 70 points total for either team in most games. We're definitely seeing an uptick in the NBL from there. But if this was the first game you watched for NBL 24, you would probably not be that enticed to turn it back on. The Illawarra Hawks have a lot to figure out with their team. It's time to make Sam Froling a focal point on the offense. When they're not going to Gary Clark, they should be definitely going to him. Tyler Harvey did start off the bench for Jacob Jacobus, but he still jacked him up with the same level of inefficiency that he has had through most of the season. Justin Robinson, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. For me, Justin Robinson does not facilitate the offense well enough for this team and probably deserves to be downgraded 
in the pecking order when it comes to shot taking. Yeah, I have not been impressed that much by him this season. It seems to be a little bit of a conundrum for Jacob Jacobus. He cannot find the starting five to start games well, bar one or two games. And the Cairns Tie fans, despite being extremely undermanned, no Bobby Clintman, no Patrick Williams, they find a way to get it done. Tajir McCall played almost 35 minutes. He had 16 points and six rebounds, two assists. Still maintaining his high turnover rate, but he was pretty good at the defensive end, getting three steals for the game. Taron Armstrong, six points and seven rebounds. Also four assists, holding his spot down there, but probably not getting enough looks on offense. Sam Wardenberg, he had a pretty good game, 15 points and four rebounds. He deservedly should get more looks when Cairns are on offense. Bulkwall, equal game-leading scorer with 19 points on 6 of 14 shooting, had five rebounds and three assists, throwing his elbows a little bit on the offensive end and getting punished for it by the referees, but still did a pretty amicable job. Lat Mayen showed off his Eurostep during the game. He had 10 points and 8 rebounds. He is quite the player when the Cairns Taipans are transitioning the ball on offense. It was a hard-fought win by the Cairns Taipans. They did it with an undermanned squad, but nonetheless, they got it done. Final score was 81-71. to Cairns take this one by I spoke to CJ pre-game. He was very calm and kind of excited about what Adelaide were producing in the last few games. He said consistency is looking like it's coming. Big dunk from Mitch McCarron. Offrey's almost kept it alive. Doyle back the other way. He's got such a big bag of tricks and he just reaches in and rips one out. Crafty move from Jack McVeigh getting to his left hand. To Marcus Lee. 13-point Jack Jumpers lead. Milton Doyle goes behind the back to find Lee. Beautiful pass again. Marshall comes up with the loose ball. Weaves his way down the floor and gets involved instantly. Good take. Here's DJ. And he's got all of them on their feet. Crawford gets that to go. Vasevich the other way. Gets it all the way inside. Tough finish. Really good punch screen. Down the court and Lee puts a lid on it. But it's a pretty clinical performance again from Tasmania. They roll into Adelaide. All right, so next up we had the Adelaide 36ers playing host to the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Oh, and the Adelaide 36ers, after enjoying a good run of form, were beaten at home by the Jack Jumpers 82 to 72. CJ Bruton messing with the rotation a little bit. We saw the re-inclusion of Alex Starling. He played 15 minutes for 7 points and 6 rebounds. Also had a block. So a bit of a return to form from him. However, the offense did seem to struggle in the second half. DJ Vasiljevic got it going late. He had 16 points, 4 rebounds, and a couple of assists. Shot the ball relatively well from the field, 5 for 11, but was a minus 15 overall in the plus-minus category. Isaac Humphreys, 10 points, 7 rebounds, a steal, and a couple of blocks. 
performed admirably, but in the end wasn't able to curtail the offense of the Jack Jumpers. Uh, this was a strange game with players not shooting quite well enough from the field, not getting enough shots up, it would seem. The Tasmanian Jack Jumpers love to slow it down in the half court and force the opposition to play a lot of defense. This seemed to bog down the 36ers a little bit. Trenton Flowers came in for a relatively short period of time, logged almost 14 minutes, had eight points and a couple of rebounds, but wasn't able to kickstart the offense the way CJ Bruton would have liked. And it was the Jack Jumpers grinding it out for a victory, putting up about nine more shots overall and shooting the ball better, especially from the three-point line shooting 40% to Adelaide, only 20% from behind the arc. Uh, Jordan Crawford was pretty inefficient from the field. He took his shots and shot 6 for 16, scored 17 overall, had 6 rebounds and 3 assists, also 3 steals, doing his job on the defensive end of the floor as well. Jack McVeigh had 14 and 3 rebounds. Marcus Lee staying in the game these days. Seems to be adjusting his play, playing less minutes, but remaining available for the end of the game for when the Jack Jumpers need to close it out. He had 12 points and 8 rebounds. Milton Doyle only 13 points on 4 for 13 shooting. He went 2 for 7 from behind the arc. Launching a few up there but not connecting on quite enough. It didn't matter. The Jack Jumpers got over the Adelaide 36ers in this one. Scott Roth has his team playing exactly the way he wants. They believe in themselves a bit more than the teams they are playing against. And they seem to be able to get the job done for Scott Roth, no matter what it is he asked them to do. Uh, so not a whole lot more to say about this one, other than that the Jack Jumpers stay in touch with the league leaders, and they win this one convincingly in Adelaide by 10 points. Back to Alachul. This is Goldie. Shot clock to 10. Got away from Moller. Got the separation he needed and peels off the triple. That's 40 consecutive games with a three. Chance for Chul Quickly up the floor and throws down another two. He's in the double figures. 14 points in the game for Mitch Creek. Chul with 11. And that's an excellent pass inside. Rob Lowe, the Kiwi connection. Waves Cameron away. Thanks to Rungy, confronted by Johnson. They did a good job there to put the pressure on him. Thought he was fouled, couldn't get a whistle. Moller, hard to the rim, did a good job. Dean Bingham wants to put a stop to it right now. And they let Shay Illy march his way through the paint and come up with the goods. Illy against Creek. Into the paint, needs help. Low. Golding. Red numbers on the shot clock. Oh it's my. Chris Golding! Wow. Oh, they're not going to foul. Luala Chul will be a good option as well. They broke it down. Got Bowen to close range. The two and a chance of a three-point play. Phoenix, just horrendous clock management. This is the worst-case scenario. Let a whole bunch of clock run off. Well, it's been a wonderful afternoon of action, but it is the Melbourne United who have prevailed in the Crosstown Derby. Mike Kelly suggests they're still developing the culture there at the South East Melbourne Phoenix and don't quite communicate well enough on the defensive end to keep out Melbourne United. And in the Melbourne Derby, the Crosstown Derby, as John Casey put it, 
It was Melbourne United coming up with the win against the Phoenix. Alan Williams fouled out again in this one, which was a bit disappointing to see. Will Cummings, a relatively quiet night, only went for seven points and went two for 12 from the field, not hitting on enough shots. Mitch Creek was pretty inefficient as well, going six for 15 from the field. Only one for six from the three-point line for 19 points. He also had five rebounds and a couple of assists. Usual standout, Gary Brown, 16 points, four rebounds and four assists and a steal. Was just too many defensive breakdowns for the Phoenix. That's pretty much what did it, especially down the stretch. The injection of Daniel Johnson. He played 10 minutes. He shot one three-pointer, which he missed. He had three points on three or four from the free throw line. Also four rebounds. Not quite quite sure how the insertion of Daniel Johnson is going to work. The guy is a veteran. He knows how to play in the league, but whether the Phoenix can make good use of him is still yet to be seen. I think foul problems early for Alan Williams in this contest were restricting him to being able to play more minutes in this game. They definitely could have used him down the stretch. Craig Moller was left on a bit of an island down there in the last quarter and and Melbourne United were able to get downhill and score at the basket with relative ease. Moller himself had a very good game, stepped it up in the second half in the absence of Alan Williams playing the center spot. He finished with 12 points and nine rebounds. Also a couple of steals to go with that. Played admirably, uh, but it's the work at the defensive end that the Phoenix are still developing their culture and need to increase their regularity in terms of communication at the defensive end of the floor. It seems like some players don't know the defensive assignment that they have at times. But let's talk about Melbourne United. JLA Joe Lual Ochul Jr. had 26 points on 10 of 16 shooting. Excellent, excellent game by him. 11 rebounds and two blocks. His timing on blocking shots at the defensive end seems to be getting better as the season goes on. Chris Golding had 27 points. He launched 15 threes in this game, nailing six. Not much else to speak of, but he was definitely carrying a lot of the scoring load for Melbourne United. Shaili, 12 points, four rebounds and four assists, was able to get downhill late to break down the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix defense. Flynn Cameron stepped up in the absence of a couple of players, namely Luke Travers and Ian Clark. Also, Ariel Hookporty did not play a significant role in this game, which made room for Rob Lowe to step in. Uh, Flynn Cameron, 14 points and 8 rebounds, along with a couple of assists. And Rob Lowe came in and filled up the centre spot for Melbourne United in the absence of their other players. He had 7 points four rebounds and three assists. He is quite a good playmaker for a backup big. Melbourne United are a stacked squad, proving they can bring in their bench players and they are game ready, which is mainly what allowed Melbourne United to get the win at John Kane Arena. They hand the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix their first home loss for the year. Final score, Melbourne United 92, the Phoenix 83. Brisbane take the lead back once more. 
Early stages Sunday afternoon at Kudos Bank Arena. Jalen Adams with a party trick. Bannon also with the size advantage okay. of Bruce. Backs his way in. Not bad decision. Baines, tough underneath. Moving the ball offensively and making Sydney defend. Making multiple switches. Case there. Oh, my God. Rocco over the top. Adams glides to the cap. He has 12 points and he's got that look in the eye. We start the fourth. Baines out there with four fouls to his name. Sobey back door. Lost Angus Glover. Ideal possession to start the quarter for Brisbane. Just swing to Chris Smith. He's out there to knock down threes and that's what he does. Screen comes from Zakarski. Sam McDaniel off the window. It's tied at 87. And place through the contact. Sydney's turn offensively. Adams can't be stopped. It goes. DJ Mitchell for three. And guess who's come up with it again? Sean Bruce. Brisbane. Travel to Kudos Bank Arena to play Sydney in front of another 10k plus crowd. And while the Bullets played very well in the first half and held a lead, they were up in the first half. They unfortunately lost Tyrell Harrison, one of the standout bigs in the league this year. He has a bit of a hamstring complaint, was not able to continue in the game, which obviously hampered the Bullets a little bit, but they still had Aaron Baines and Rocco Sikarski to fill up the five spot. You'd think they would more than be able to cover for Tyrell Harrison, but I think it proves just how important Harrison is to this Brisbane Bullets lineup. Josh Bannon, once again outstanding for the Bullets. 16 points on 7 of 12 shooting, also 5 rebounds and 2 assists. Nathan Sobey had a relatively good game as well, despite not shooting well from the 3-point line. He had 17 points, 3 rebounds and 5 assists, along with a couple of steals. The Bullets Shot horribly from the three-point line as a team. 25%, 6 for 24 from three. That's not going to get it done against a high-octane squad such as the Sydney Kings. Chris Smith had a bit of an odd game. Nine points, three rebounds and a couple of assists. He was a minus 10 for the team, but... Brisbane looked competitive throughout this game. They were right there until the end, despite the loss of Harrison. They are proving to be one of the better lineups in the league under Justin Schuler or Schulz, as Nathan Sobey calls him. I uh, should mention Aaron Baines here, 13 points on 5 of 7 shooting. Only the 3 rebounds, which is a little surprising in a game like this. However, getting it done on the offensive end of the floor. Sam McDaniel had 10 points, 4 rebounds to go along with it. Played his usual standout role on the defensive end at the small forward position. Trying to lock down guys like Jalen Adams and DJ Hogue. Quite the task, most would imagine. Uh, Jalen Adams had 24 points along with four assists and a rebound. Shot efficiently from the floor, 9 for 14. Led from the front. Alex Tui was an amazing plus 27 for the team. He had 12 points and three rebounds. The Sydney Kings shooting pretty well from the three-point line in comparison 
to the Brisbane Bullets. They went 11 for 29 for 37%. But I would like to point out that they shot 19 for 20 from the free throw line as a team. Excellent foul shooting by the Sydney Kings. In a close game, that is crucial. Uh, Mahmoud Abdel Fattah increased the role of Jonah Bolden in this game. He had 13 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists and a steal and a block. So with increased minutes... Jonah Bolden has produced more against a team like the Brisbane Bullets with a number of bigs. Jonah is a mobile stretch four or five in the NBL, and I think he continues to see improvement as the season goes on. Angus Glover played an important role off the bench. He had 12 points on four of eight shooting. He went four for seven from the three-point line, hitting some big threes. Brisbane looked competitive throughout this game. It looked like they might be able to edge out the Sydney Kings up there at Kudos Bank Arena, but it wasn't to be. They will continue to monitor Tyrell Harrison. The Brisbane Bullets play Perth in the next round. They hope he will be back for that game, but certainly could not confirm following this one that he would be available. It's going to be a major blow for the Brisbane Bullets, but we may see an increased role of Rocco Zagarski in Tyrell's absence should he be out for a couple of weeks. Let's hope so. Get those minutes into Rocco, I say. But despite all that, the final result in this game was the Sydney Kings 104 to the Brisbane Bullets 95. Sean Bruce, the most annoying man in basketball, is now a father. Let's hope he mellows out a little bit on the court, although I don't hold much hope for that. Still no panic mode for you guys. What's that going to bring in regard to panic and changing behaviours? I mean, if, if the players start to see me look like, you know, start to worry about things that aren't basketball, then, you know, uh, it's over anyway. So, um... yep, you said it, Jacob. It's over. And... Jacob Jackamus or Jackassmus, as I saw him referred to in the YouTube comments, has been fired by the Illawarra Hawks and will no longer be in the head coaching space. Boring us all in press conferences with terms like in this space and you know what I mean, which he would repeat ad nauseum, making me nauseous having to listen to it. Jacobus is gone. Illawarra will now be coached by Justin Tatum, father of Jason Tatum. All-NBA forward for the Boston Celtics in the NBA. Justin Tatum will take over. He has expressed interest in being the full-time head coach of the Illawarra Hawks. Let's hope he brings a fresher approach and a culture of winning to the Illawarra Hawks who desperately need to turn their season around. Sam Froling said in their press conference after dropping the game to Cairns, disappointingly, that there were plenty of good individual players on this team. They were just not a cohesive unit and were not able to be on the same page at times with players having to individually conjure up brilliance to get things done on the basketball court. So... Justin Tatum comes in, moves up from assistant to interim head coach for the Illawarra Hawks. We have to wait and see whether he becomes permanent there in Illawarra. 
Anyway, that wraps up round seven for MBL 24. Apologies for this episode being published a little late, despite it being a five-game round. Hopefully, everyone is glued to the game tonight between the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers and the New Zealand Breakers is airing now as I record this outro. Once again, thanks for listening, everyone, to the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast. You can find us on social media at GT Basketball Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Just search the name of the podcast on Facebook and you should find our page there. Also on TikTok and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast aggregator. That's it for this episode of the Garbage Time Podcast. I'll get in your ears again next week with round eight of NBL 24.